Welcome to episode number 172 of the Pioneering Today podcast. Today, I am going to be talking about some tips and steps you will want to do in your garden that will help you improve on and have an even better harvest than last year. I don't know about you, but I like to always make things just a little bit easier and a little bit better for myself every single year. And that includes all areas, especially with the garden and the food that we're growing and putting up at home. Because my goal, not only for myself, but for you and all the listeners of the Pioneering Today podcast, is to give you clear and actionable steps to help you live a homegrown and handmade life. If we haven't met, let me introduce myself. My name is Melissa K. Norris, and I am the author of The Made From Scratch Life, the book Handmade, as well as the host of this, the Pioneering Today podcast, and the founder of the Pioneering Today Academy. That's a whole lot of pioneering going on. If you are a longtime listener, my thanks to you so much. And if you are brand new, welcome. You are joining one of the best communities that there is. And I could be a little bit biased, but I kind of stand behind it. The Pioneer family is one of the best places to be and to surround yourself with. At the time of this recording, you may have noticed that I missed a couple of weeks on getting the podcast episode out to you. Normally, we post a brand new episode every single Friday, but I am coming off of working really hard with my publisher and doing rounds of edits on my new book. Now, this book is not even available for pre-order yet. It won't hit the shelves until January of 2020, but I am so excited for it. I can't wait to share more with you. And I have been super focused on getting it done and making it the best possible it can be because it's got some awesome, okay, I'm going to spill just a little bit. It's got some really cool actual worksheet and chart components. So it's not just something that you read. You do read it because it is a book, but then there's like actionable steps at each part. So as you go through it, you are putting things down and coming up with a plan for your garden and raising a year's worth of food. And for the members of the Pioneering Today Academy, they got super early access to these charts and worksheets so that they can help me make them be the most amazing resource ever. Now, the Pioneering Today Academy is not open for new members right now, but coming in April, we will be opening for just one week. So you want to make sure that you're subscribed to my email list so that you get the emails about that that you're subscribed to the podcast because I will definitely be talking more about that in the podcast so that you don't miss that window and that you can get amazing resources as members only. Now, I like to give a lot of amazing resources to just anybody as well, but I really go deep with the members of the Pioneering Today Academy. So just a little heads up, that's going to be coming down the pike. So back to this specific episode, I just had to give you a little bit of a quick update because I missed you guys. It was like a couple of weeks we didn't get a visit there. So in my neck of the woods, which happens to be the Pacific Northwest, up in the foothills of the North Cascade Mountain Range, we are having that really weird tail end of winter, springs trying to come type of deal. 
So we have had snow. We have had sunny days that were like close to 60, which was amazing. And then boom, the next day we would get a couple inches of snow. So it's just been going back and forth. Right now, I have a little bit of sun coming out my window, which makes me want to run outside and just soak it up every single drop of it. And the snow is reflecting off of the snow that I've still got in pretty decent large patches across the yard and the pasture and over most of the garden area. Now, why am I sharing with you what my weather is right now? Well, because this is the time of year that it's really important for us to do some evaluating and to start getting things in gear for the coming growing season. So these tips, of course, are going to apply if you happen to be in my similar gardening zone in the springtime, but really you can do some of them in the fall as well. They're best done in the spring before most of your plants are really open and budding and blossoming and going into that boom grow mode. So if most of your perennial things like your fruit trees and your herbs and those type of things aren't really in full-on growing mode, but they're just starting to get there, then you can use these tips. The first thing that we want to do is an evaluation. And I talk about this a lot, but it's really important, especially if you are putting in some new plants or some new gardening beds or on the flip side that you have been growing things for a decent amount of years in the same spot, it's important we don't get stuck there and just keep growing things because that's where they've been forever. That's how we've done it forever, that it really is in its best spot. Now, ideally, you will do an evaluation before you put things in so that you don't have to move them. But sometimes we just don't know what we don't know until we're several growing seasons in or even some years in for certain plants when we're talking perennials. So the first thing that I like to do is kind of go around and walk around, survey our property and where I've got different things. And I need to evaluate how well is it growing in this area. Now with our fruit trees, I have made some mistakes in the past and we had to move our fruit trees. So I am a lot more cognizant of when and where I plant those perennials. We just put in elderberries last year. I'm gonna be putting in some new raspberries this year. And our fruit trees, thankfully, we don't have to move anymore. They are in their permanent spot, even though I have moved them in the past. So for more specific information on putting in fruits and growing an orchard on your homestead and or moving things, you're going to want to go back to episode number 169, which is five tips to starting an orchard and growing fruit on your homestead. And to access any of past episodes or links or resources that I mentioned throughout the podcast, you can always go to the full blog post that accompanies every episode at my website, melissakeonoris.com. For this one specifically, you'll want to go to melissakeonoris.com forward slash 172 because this is episode number 172. And I'll have there for you links to any of these previous episodes and different things that I'm talking about. So you can go and catch them out or go and listen to them. This is also important if you have plants that are perennials that need to be divided. This is the time that you want to do it when they're in their dormancy. If you didn't do it in the fall, there's kind of a couple times. So for me, I need to probably divide out my chives this year. So this is going to be looking at uh, your herbs that need to be divided out. So chives would be one of them. Rhubarb is one that as it grows and multiplies, yay, because we love rhubarb, then you're going to need to divide out your crowns because eventually they'll just get to be too many 
for the area that you have them in, and then you'll need to divide those out. The great thing is you can either increase your own crop of that by taking what you've divided out and planting it in a new spot. So then you're getting increased harvest that way, or you can give them away to other people. And I always like to see more and more people growing their own food. And so you can do bartering or you can just simply give them. Sometimes you can do swaps. And with the ease we have of online now, it's really easy, especially if you have Facebook or Craigslist. Now, of course, take care and caution if you're going to have anybody you don't know come to your house. I never do that. If we're doing something on Craigslist, we meet in a public spot during daylight hours. And when a business is in operation, we'll meet in the parking lot. I don't ever have anybody come to my house. But you can oftentimes in local gardening groups or on Facebook, people will do swaps, especially this time of year when they're dividing out their perennials. So it can be a great way for you to put yours out to get rid of them if you're not increasing your growing space with that specific crop and or to get some new ones in from other people. To divide your perennials, it's pretty easy. You are going to want to have a nice sharp pointed shovel and or spade, depending upon how big it is. And then you're really cutting it like in half or thirds or fourths, depending on how big it is. And you're doing a nice, clean, even cut down and dividing it out. And then instead of having one big mound, especially with something like chives, then you're going to have two or three or four. And then sometimes you're not actually doing a dividing out, but you're needing to move that plant. This also has to do for the most part with your perennials because your annuals, you're not really moving the die back all the time, right? With the perennials, this is something where I like to look, especially with my herbs and of course my vegetables and fruit trees, but especially with my herbs. So I do a lot of medicinal herbs as well as culinary herbs. And my lavender, I've had some growing in a container and it's really not flourishing that well in that container. So this is the perfect time to actually move bushes or clumps, that type of thing. So I need to go out and like I said, do that evaluation. And I can tell that the lavender that I have planted out in our southern exposure that's in the ground and not in the container, and this is usually true for most plants, they're not all, but a lot of them are going to naturally grow better when they're in the ground. They have easier access to nutrients and those nutrients getting replenished in the soil. Their roots can grow deeper. There's usually more room for the roots to spread out. They're not competing with other plants in that container. Most of the time, they're going to do better. So I need to move one of my lavender plants and it needs to go out into the other garden bed where my other lavender plants are doing and they're doing really well. If you have any dormant bushes or trees, this is a good time to move them as well before they start to leaf out and really get into that spring growing time. So you want to do it when they're still in their dormancy and that's before they may have a little bit of bud swell going on but they're not really like the leaf bud is not open and you don't see green leaves or the blossom has not opened up and you don't actually see the plant blossoming. It's ideal to get it moved when it's still in its dormancy. And of course, your soil needs to be thawed enough that you can dig or not covered with layers of hard, crusty snow, which I have in spots, so that you can easily get down beneath the frozen soil, right? And easily dig it up and then put it in a hole, easily dig the hole wherever you're moving it to. This can also be a really good time of year to evaluate your yard and your property for when it comes to planting. And 
What I mean by that is you will begin to see little bits of your microclimates or micro zones within your property. And we all have these. Specifically this time of year, it's usually going to be with the rainfall and or snowfall, depending on your climate. One of the things that's really good to evaluate and makes it really apparent, like really obvious, is to know where your warm pockets are at. The best way to do this is after you have a snowfall, and it may only be like an inch. You can do it with frost too, but it makes it really apparent when you have snow, is go out and look and see where that snow melts first. Wherever it melts first, that is a warm micro pocket or microclimate. So you know that you can put plants there. So one, they will likely overwinter better for you if they're plants like my rosemary. I have that tucked up against our back deck. And that's always one of the very first places that the snow and or the frost will melt. So it's warmer during the winter. So that's really good for my rosemary. We're kind of borderline with our growing season and our gardening zone for keeping rosemary alive as a perennial. And by putting it in a warm microclimate on my property, I've been able to keep that rosemary bush alive. I think we're going on like year five or six now, maybe even seven, or as before, it would die every single year. And I would have to put a new rosemary plant in and it kind of drove me crazy until I put it into a warm microclimate pocket. Now, the other thing that this will tell you is if you have plants, right now I'm talking a lot about perennials, but it's even a place to keep in mind when you start to put in your annuals. On the flip side, if in the summertime, they seem to really struggle in the heat or a lot of the sun, this is when you're going to want to go and look and see because as that frost or that snow is melting first from those spots, that's also the places in the summertime that it's likely going to be the hottest. So if a plant struggled with a lot of that heat, it was too much heat for it, it didn't do very well, then you want to move it out of that area now. And then in the summertime, that may be where you want to put some of those heat-loving things like basil and your pepper plants, maybe some hot pepper plants, maybe some tomatoes, things that really thrive in the sun. So it's a great time because you can visually see, you're not guessing, you can visually see the melting of the frost and or the snow to know where those spots are on your property. So it's a great time in the morning, starting to get daylight and the temps are coming up a little bit where you can start to see that frost line and or the snow beginning to melt. Go out and take note, write it down, take your phone, grab a picture, something, but it can be some really great clues for you to put in your plants for the coming year and or to move them around. The other thing that we tend to have a lot of this time of year is with melting snow and or rain, you're going to have a lot of excess moisture. So this is also a good time as we were looking for those microclimates, you can really see the way that your soil and your landscape drains. So take note of areas that are really soggy. Where does the water tend to settle? Where is it not draining from the soil, but it's just sitting right on top? That is going to let you know where you may or may not want to put some different gardening beds or different plants. Some things need to stay wetter and others, they do not like their roots wet. They should not be in those soggy areas. So again, this is a perfect opportunity for you to not just guess, but to really see when you have a lot of those heavy spring rains and or snow that is then melting and you've got all that runoff water. Great time to take note of where is that at on your property and then to plan your crops and or beds in or around that. Or it may be something that, you could fix. So for example, a low area, 
that might be a spot where you want to put a raised bed because you can raise up and then you can help with the drainage in that area. So it's just, it's going, you know, it's going to depend specifically, but these are some great times of year to take advantage of the weather that we have going on and to really evaluate and get to know those spots on your property. Now, speaking of containers, because I do do some container gardening, most of my container gardening is with my perennial herbs, especially those that like to spread way too crazy pants and I don't want them all over invading into my homestead and my flower bed. So I keep my mint and my sage, my rosemary because I need a microclimate and also my chives because chives, they don't really send out vining quite as invasively as things in the mint family do but they still can get pretty big and need to be divided. And I like to have them right next to my back deck because they're herbs that I cook with frequently so that I can just run outside and it's really close and grab them. I can even just, I can run out on our back deck and actually bend over and not even have to fully go outside or off the deck. So I can grab them super fast when I'm cooking. And that might be something else you want to use in your evaluation is how close and how easy is it for you to get to these plants that you're using like that in your fresh cooking. And that might be something that you'll decide to move and or not, but it's something to just keep in mind. But with your container plants, as our plants begin to emerge and come out of their winter dormancy, not only is that the time that we want to divide and to move them, it's also the time that we need to think about fertilizing, especially in regards to container plants. Container plants and container growing They have less of the nutrients available of in-ground gardening simply because the soil is kept in a container and it's usually the same soil and we use it year after year after year and it doesn't have runoff or the availability of other nutrients and different things around it because it's like an island, right? It's the soil inside a container island. So in the spring, when our plants begin to break their dormancy, it's a really good idea if to start fertilizing. With your containers, we don't want to fertilize too early when they're in their dormancy. We want to wait until they break their dormancy because that's when they're going to be hungry. And we want them to stay in their dormant phase until the weather is appropriate for them to come out of it. So this is the time if you start to see things green and buds opening and coming out of it, you want to get your containers fertilized. Now for my containers, if I've got compost that that's ready and and composted down that can be a great thing to put some compost on the top and work that into that top layer i also like to use a liquid fish fertilizer and i use that with the majority of my containers and then i save our manure and our big compost pile that's what i actually put on around my berry plants and out in the garden and work that into the soil to continue breaking down also remember when you're fertilizing If you are using manure on anything, if it's an above ground crop, you want to make sure that you have enough days of a buffer uh, before you are going to be harvesting when you're putting fresh manure on your soil. So for example, I wouldn't want to put down a whole bunch of fresh manure and then in like 30 days start harvesting and eating my plants. So it's a good idea to have that buffer time in there for it to break down enough and into the soil before you're harvesting directly from it. And of course, seed starting. If you haven't done your seed starting yet, there is still time to do your seed starting. Now it's gonna depend a little bit on your crop specifically that you're gonna be seed starting and your last average frost date in the spring when you can begin to plant it outside. 
without any fear of it dying. And that's going to differ depending on the crop. You've got cool weather crops that can go out sometimes a, a couple to four weeks before that last average frost date. Then you've got your warm weather crops that they need to be a couple weeks past any danger of frost so that they can make it. So you've got some different windows there, but this is the time of year too where we begin our seed saving. I will be doing that and posting, if you didn't know, if you didn't know, I am now posting once a week, so weekly videos, because there's some things that I love podcasts. Y'all, I'm a podcast junkie. I listen to them when I'm out gardening, out doing the chores, cleaning the house. I adore podcasts. But there's some things I just need to watch and I just need to see being done visually, not just audibly. audibly. Oh my goodness, that isn't coming out very well. <laughs> So YouTube, I am posting to my YouTube channel once a week. So I would love to have you over there and I will be doing some different seed starting things so that you can actually see it in action, how much space it needs, how we do it. So that's going to be coming up. So if you are not already subscribed to my YouTube channel, you can get yourself on over there and hit subscribe so that you get a notification every time it comes out. And you're going to want to subscribe to this podcast with whatever app you're listening on. If you're not already subscribed, do the same thing. because. When you're subscribed to those, it's just one less thing we have to do. As soon as the new episode comes out, boom, it will just show up in your notifications. And I like to make things as easy as possible on myself. So my favorite ones where I'm like, oh, I know I'm going to love whatever comes out next. I just like to have it on subscribe so that I know that it, it just comes out and I don't have to go and search it up or get busy and forget. So anyhow, you can go to youtube.com forward slash Melissa K. Norris to see the YouTube channel. And I look forward to seeing you over there as well, as well as sharing more of growing and raising our own food and then making wonderful homemade delicious foods from that said food that we're growing. Okay, we are going to move on to our verse of the week here. And I'm going to be reading to you from Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. And this is the amplified translation of the Bible. Therefore, then, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses who have borne testimony to the truth, let us strip off and throw aside every encumbrance, unnecessary weight, and that sin which so readily, deftly, and cleverly clings to us and entangles us. Let us run with patient endurance and steady and active persistence the appointed course of the race that is set before us. I chose this verse to share with you guys, particularly because is it is something that I am dealing with. It is so easy to not stay in our own race. Like, I feel like I'm at church and I just want to say, can I get an amen? And my hand is totally raised and I am saying amen with you. So a couple of weeks ago, I got to go to a seminar or a business conference. And I got to go with a couple of really good friends. I was so excited. And one of the things that I learned there, I learned a ton of things. It's the only one that I go to. I only go to pretty much one event like that a year where I'm away from the homestead. And while we were there, a lot of the messaging that I kept getting from multiple spots, and this is business related. So doing things online, obviously this podcast, the, my books, the, the website, the YouTube channel, all that fun stuff. It was, a, that's kind of the type of business conference. It's a, it was around a digital, if you have digital business. But one of the things that multiple presenters kept bringing up was keeping your eyes on yourself or on your own race or in your own lane, whatever metaphor that you want to use and plug in there. 
But it is so true, even if, if you don't have an online business, it's so true in so many aspects of our life is we start to look around at what other people are doing, what other people have. And when we do that, and I am preaching to myself right now, but you might need to hear this too. When we do that, we lose sight of what we do have, what we have been blessed with, and we start to feel less than, that what we have isn't as good, and we start focusing on what they have, we take our eyes off of what we have. And that's a really dangerous place to get into because one, we start to feel inferior. We start to feel maybe envy, maybe jealousy, or maybe just a slight unsettledness like deep down and we start to doubt ourselves. Like all of these things, it's just like this mountainous domino effect that comes into play when we do it. And it's so easy to do. You guys, I have looked, you know, and it's even, it's most of the time I really do feel it's innocent. And most of the time it is not the fault of the people that we are looking at when we take our eyes away from what we have. It's just, it's human nature to do it, but it's so important that we're cognizant of it so that we can pull ourselves away from it when it starts to happen and that we can recognize it within ourselves. That was a message, like I said, this was two weeks ago that I heard from multiple different spots. And I have truly believe and seen it so many times to know it's true that when you start to hear a message multiple times, now I'm not talking about like a bad message, but where you feel like it's something you're like, ooh, I need to hear that. And you hear it from multiple spots, especially if it's a Bible verse or it's biblical application or something like that. We really need to pay attention to it because God is so good. He knows that we tend to push something away. Like like I will read a Bible verse or maybe hear something on the radio or open up to a, an, a devotional page and I'll read it and I'll be like, oh yeah, I kind of need to deal with that. Or I might be falling into that a little bit. Like God's telling me, daughter, you need to watch out for this. But if I just hear it once or just read it once, you know, you kind of might feel that in the moment, but then you kind of go about your life. At least I do. But then if I hear it again and again and again, especially in a short period of time, I sit up and take notice and I'm like, okay, something's going on here. Like, I really need to hear this message, obviously, because I keep getting hit over the head with it. So I need to pay attention. And that's what I feel like was happening. And I wasn't sure why at that time, because I'm like, I don't really know that I'm struggling with this that overly much, but I keep hearing this over and over and over again. Well, the good Lord, as he does, he knew I needed to hear that and I needed to hear it then beforehand because this current week, I definitely had, let's just say probably a 36 hour, maybe, a, okay, I'll be honest, a two day period where I really started looking at somebody else's race. And I was so far out of my own lane. I don't even know if I was still on the same racetrack as I was supposed to be, let alone in my own lane. And God knew that was going to happen. And so he kept bringing me back, <laughs> bringing me back to running the, my race that he has set before me, not somebody else's race. And that the race that he has set before me is full of good things that he has planned for me, but I need to wait on him and in his timing. And so I just thought, maybe, just maybe you need to hear that too, because I needed to hear that. So I want to thank you so much for joining me on this episode of the Pioneering Today podcast. I can't wait to be back here with you next week. So bye for now.